So let's put our judgment at the cross. Let's put our, our burdens at the cross. Let's open up our Bible and let's prepare to meet with the Lord today because today is the day of celebration. And we'd like to have fun here at 250 Town Creek Road. We're the church meeting at 250 Town Creek Road. Y'all know that, right? We're not just the church. We're part of the church. And churches meeting everywhere the Bible is being uh, spoken this morning with the people of God, the Christians are meeting to worship and bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where the church is meeting today. We just happen to be one portion, one portion of the church meeting at 250 Town Creek Road. So I'm glad you're here. If you're a guest with us today, thanks for being here. But let's get into the Word uh, and listen to what the Lord says. And we have four different passages today, if you see. And my sermon title is probably not the funniest one or the best one, but it's Do Not Touch My Donkey unless the king has need of it, right? You think about a donkey was a, was, was a very profitable commodity back in this day, and to take someone else's animal, well, that was, that was punishable by death. And of course, in the, the Bible said, thou shalt not steal. To go and take someone else's property was to steal it. But we know in this case, it was simply to borrow it because God had need of it. The king had need of it. And so we're going to look at the scriptures as you look at the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four speak of this story of Palm Sunday that we celebrate. We call it the Triumphal Entry Sunday, or we call it Palm Sunday. And Kristen said, how many of y'all waved branches when you were kids? We didn't have the palm branches, uh, but how many did that growing up? Raise your hand if you did that. Well, we got into fights if you had them. If we ever had them, we, we brothers got to smacking each other with them. So it was more of a distraction than it was actually uh, a help to realize we could actually shout, Hosanna, Hosanna. Anybody ever get in a fight with your brother and sister with the, the palm leaves? Raise your hand if you did, just so I know I'm in good company. Okay. A handful of us, all right? The rest of your goody two-shoes or something, I don't know, or didn't have brothers or sisters. We got in trouble with them. Looking to the Word today, I want you to see, we're going to start in Luke 19. It's in, uh, we, you would think we'd start in Matthew because that's the first gospel. We're going to start in Luke because I want to set the table for this and actually see how Luke, and then we know that John and Matthew, of course, Matthew writes, hey, Jesus was the king. He's trying to tell the Jews, don't you understand? He was the king. I'm trying to tell you. He was the king, and then Mark tells us, I call Mark the ADHD disciple because he'll, he'll jump. Mark will tell you a story. He'll jump from, he'll jump a whole year in one verse. And if you're not careful when you read, you read it all together as compressed as like, how does this fit together with the other gospels? But you have to read it with a timeline in hand. So always read the scriptures, always read before the scripture and read after the scripture and never, ever base a doctrine just on one set or one scripture. You can take one verse out of context and build your doctrine on that, but you'll build a wrong doctrine. You must have scripture upon scripture that Mary to talk to speaks with one another because the Old Testament marries beautifully to the New Testament. Old Testament is simply this. And God gave us uh, the, his laws, his commands, and, and some have said there's over 668 commands of God. Does anybody keep them all? Aren't you glad that uh, we have the New Testament now? That's when Jesus died on the cross. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again, and he lives forevermore. And they ask, which is the greatest commandment when he was living, walking the earth? And by the way, Jesus walked the earth during the Old Testament. Does everybody understand that? The New Testament, even when we read some of these things before the cross, it's the Old Testament. Jesus kept the law. Jesus said, I didn't just come to do away with the law. I come to do what? To fulfill the law. And we know there was a smart uh, lawyer that came to him and says, uh, tell us, what is the greatest commandment? And what did he summarize it? You shall, and we've done this before, but maybe you're a guest, you've never done this before. If you ever forget, this is the easiest way to remember. Hold your one finger up. So the question was, what is the one greatest commandment? 
because they were trying to get him for blasphemy, right? They're trying to make him use his words to hang him, if you will, to get him on the cross. What is the one greatest commandment? And the Lord responds, you shall, and your finger tells you the story. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But don't forget the second, put out a number two like this. The second is like, you shall love, do like this, do it to your neighbor. You shall love others as you love yourself. So you can, summarize the, you can summarize all of the Old Testament law, and you can summarize what Jesus said was the greatest command of the law with two fingers. You shall love God. Number one, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the stuff you have need in this planet and this earth and this life will be added unto you. Didn't he say that? Matthew 6, go read it for yourself. Don't worry. Listen, come to the place that you put God number one. The question is, do we put God number one? You say, well, Pastor, I've been trying, and, and I can't see fruit of that. I can tell you you haven't been putting God number one. The psalmist says he'll never have his children begging bread. You might not have the riches, the greatest things on the planet, but you, you'll have your needs met because he knows what you have need of before you even ask. So says he. Amen? He created you. Is that true? He died for you and rose again. Is that true? And he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Is that true? If that's true, what do we have to worry about today? You say, well, I got tomorrow, I got all these things. Okay, but don't worry about it. What if that goes away? What if you're in a car wreck on your way out and you're in the hospital tomorrow? You won't be there in the office. You won't be there at the home place. You won't be there in the middle of that situation. So let's just thank him day by day. Tell you something happened to me this week, and, and I'm not being braggadocious, I'm just telling you. I'm a murderer of shoes. I kill shoes. Some of y'all talk about my shoes, and you say, Pastor, you need some new shoes. Well, I only get new shoes when it's time to get new shoes. And I kill shoes about every 90 days. I don't care how expensive they are or how cheaply they're made. Ever since I've been a kid, I've been rough on shoes, and a mom. I murder shoes. I have wide feet. I didn't realize that until we had somebody in the church that measured my feet. I thought you just go by the size that you guess at. And, um, and I finally had someone measure my feet and said, wow, you have really wide feet. And so um, I, I started getting wider shoes. I didn't realize there was actually a W that, that meant wide on the, on the box. And so this week I was walking, and if you see me on Sunday, I, I kind of gimp. Every, when my shoes start wearing, I start gimping. And I said, well, now I've got to get some shoes. She said, well, you just got some at Christmas. I said, mm, count the days. I just murdered those shoes. And so the place, I'm not giving them a, an advertisement. They didn't pay me a commission, but I want to tell you, GB Shoes down in Augusta, I, we saw it by accident. Well, the Lord does nothing by accident. And I walked in there, couldn't find any shoes, and I was leaving, and uh, uh, one of the young guys that worked in there, he said, hey, did you find what you need? I said, no, man, all these shoes, I got 70,000 shoes and none for me. He said, I don't believe that's true. What size are you wearing? And I told him, he said, let me, hold on a second. This young man come, and he brought me three pairs of shoes. He said, which one of these do you like? I said, I'll take all three. I tried them on, and I told, his, told the manager, I said, I was walking out here with no shoes. This young man actually helped me, and uh, now I walked out with three pairs of shoes. Well, I didn't get out of the, I just changed right there with one pair, and I started saying, oh, Lord, oh, Thank you for these shoes. And I started thinking, my big toe thanks you on the left foot. My big toe on the right foot. And I went through all my toes. I got to the little piggy that went to the market telling God how much I was thanking him. You ever done that before? Sometimes you're just like, you don't realize how bad it is until the Lord steps in. Now, I had the money to buy these shoes for a long time. I've been putting it aside. Wendy keeps saying, buy those shoes, buy those shoes. It wasn't that I had the, didn't have the money. It was I didn't have the shoes. I couldn't find shoes that fit my feet. And so I, when I got there, I'm walking. Every step was like, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. My ankles, thank you. My knees, thank you. Because y'all know, if I don't know if you know, I've been getting fatter all the time. And I, I'm trying, but my metabolism is just slowing down, and my, my mouth is speeding up, eating. So it's, 
Something's happening, but I was praising God every step I took. I was driving home praising God when I pressed the accelerator on my gas. Lord, I know the accelerator doesn't feel this, but I sure feel it. Thank you for these shoes. I walked around the house. I, walked, I wore them all week, and, and, and by these are a pair of the new shoes, by the way. And uh, I'm just thanking God as I'm standing here today. No pressure on the feet. I'm thinking, Lord, my piggies are still thanking the Lord for new shoes. That's the kind of life I said, Lord, how come we're not like that on everything? Because watch this. I know COVID's still sneaking around there a little bit, but everybody do this kind of quietly and just take a deep breath and let it out. Just kind of, you might shield it so you can bump it down to the ground. Nobody gets you to COVID if you got it. But are we thanking God for even the breath that we have? That car you rode into this morning, it might be the best car. It might be the best car. Did you thank God for that car every time you get behind it that is faithful every time you turn the switch? And when it does break down, God's put us in a place where we can actually go and get the car fixed, or you got somebody in your life that can fix it, or you might be able to fix it. You have abilities and you have resources that only God gave us. And we have this story, and if you've been at church more than one time during the Easter season, you've heard this story before. Well, it's not how does a pastor make it so important that we can change it, make it cool and hip and modern and relevant today. Jesus has always been relevant. It's just the hearers who are irrelevant, right? We come to the place and think it's all about us. Give me something fresh. Give me something new. Give me something my children would love. Give me some music I would like and make it exactly perfect. Y'all know even when we sing music sometimes, if we sing it, obviously everything's just right. Facebook will say you've actually used somebody else's music and cut the music off. You ever watched it live? It don't always happen, right? Because there's always something. We make a mistake somehow. Even in preaching, we'll make a mistake. Reading the word, pronouncing a word. Someone would say, Pastor, you didn't say that word right. Well, if you'd like to preach next Sunday, let me know. Uh, but Lord called me to that. And Hebrew words, anybody, is there a Hebrew scholar? Like, ever you know the Hebrew scriptures really well? Any Greek scholars? I mean, we could have them. There's professors, people who study this with their life, but we depend on those people. Everything, as a matter of fact, everything that you know about anything today, somebody's taught you, or you learned by experience that somebody actually said, put you on the on-the-job training. Did you realize that? There's no new revelations under the sun. Even the things that they're finding out back when we studied when the nuclear plant, before it was even here, somebody was experimenting with uranium. Now, it didn't turn out so well if you read their story. Uh, they, they couldn't figure out why the plant keeps dying every time they play with this certain material, but they died shortly after finding it. But it was already there. It's already there in the earth, and all these things. It, pick up something. Something's new discovery. You know, they're, they're sending the rover to Mars, and they're saying all this new discovery. It's not new to God. Who put it there? Back in the day around the way, God did, right? When was it? Yeah, he did. I wasn't there. So when mankind tries to explain the Word of God, or we try to make it hip or cool, or we try to go back and pick a, pick a subject, even if it's evil, God already knows about it. Would you agree? And from the Word, we don't come and try to make it so exciting that we want you to come back next week and launch out a new program next week so you'll come back next week. This is not a used car lot. This is not for sale. The gospel was given to us, Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, if you believe in him, you shall not perish or go to hell. You shall have what? Ever or eternal life, everlasting life. This is what's true. So this story is true. It's a historical narrative, a biblical historical narrative. This is true from the word. 
and let's read it together. We're going to read it from Luke. I don't think we'll get all the other passages in, but I'm going to read it from Luke because each gospel gives you just a little bit of more of an insight, almost a microscopic look. Oh, I didn't see that in the last one. Somebody will say, they'll read all four and go, aha, see, they don't match. God never makes a mistake. He lets the personalities of those men, he impressed, he inspired to preach his word, to write his word down. Those men wrote it down with their personalities under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I happen to believe, I'm one of those weird people who actually believe this is the word of God. I happen to believe that he's all-knowing, he's all-wise, and he's worthy to be praised and honored. His word is his word. If God made mistakes in the Bible, he would be a dumb God not worthy of worship. If you could make mistakes, he would come, we would say, well, this isn't good. We've had former presidents do that, you know. If you read your history, take out portions they don't like. They don't like miracles. Uh, they didn't like certain passages, and they made their own version of the Bible, and people say, oh, I'd love to have a copy of that. I wouldn't give you 50 cents for the copy if you could find it. Because mankind has nothing to say apart from the Word of God. I can't tell you about God until he tells me about himself. We find out who God is through his word. And so let's look today at Luke chapter 19, verse 28 is where we'll begin. When he had said this, and these are very, there are many things that he said. If you go back, there was teachings of Christ. If you go back and read, he's talking about the different parables. And when he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem through the Kidron Valley. He said, where's he headed to church? He said it to Jerusalem, but what specific place is he headed to? It's still standing. He's headed to the temple. And he's going to go to the place because who owns the temple? Even though it was built by man, who owns the temple? God owns the temple. He said that was the place that people should pray. His house, and you'll see what he does. He said, my father's house should be called a house of prayer. Is there a temple today? Not standing there or this place yet. The temple is in blocks being built, are being assembled schematically in warehouses, ready for the temple to be built. It's ready to be released. And where's it going to be built? At the Dome of the Rock. That pretty little, you see a picture of Israel, that gold cap? You say, well, the Muslims are in charge of that for now. Y'all know the Lord's going to have done what the Lord says he's going to have done. Amen? He's in charge of all things. Wait, let's look at what he says. And it came to pass. I love that. I told you that's my favorite passage of Scripture. And it came to pass when he drew near Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village opposite you, whereas you enter, you will find the colt tied, and which no one has ever set. Loose it and bring it here. And the other gospels will tell you that there was actually the young colt and the mother donkey. So there's two. And some people say, aha, see it? One says one and one says two. Let me ask you this question. Just do simple critical thinking. If you have two, can there be one? There has to be one, right? So don't let somebody try to trap you. Say, aha, the word of God's different. That's foolishness. That's people who come from the word of God. They approach the word of God like this. I don't believe that book, but I'll read it to actually criticize it so I can bring you down. When you get around critical-minded people, they will bring you down. Not critical thinkers. Think, critical thinkers think, okay, if they start with, God's nature never changes. God is holy. God is all-knowing. So when I approach the Scripture, I come to the Scriptures like this. Lord, I don't fully understand everything that happened here, but you said it. I believe it. Now, it's, that he said it is enough that I believe it is a bonus. 
So when you approach Scripture, ever how you come to your Bible, if you come to it as this book, it's an ancient text, some good teachings, well, you'll get some good teachings out of it, but that's all you'll receive from it. But if you come and approach the Word of God, this is the Holy Word of God. God has spoken. God has told us biblical narratives. God has given us wisdom scripture. God has given us poetry. God has given us revelation. God has given all this to us that we actually will come to the place and bring him glory, but also that we might be equipped to do his work. Let's continue. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it. I underlined this in my Bible. This is so important. Just as he said to them. Every time the Lord speaks, it's just as he said. How do these people know to let their donkey take off with these two guys? Because the Lord had to speak to them ahead of this and say, listen, this is going to happen. Just like you know, we've been preaching through the book of Acts. How did Ananias know to actually pray for Paul and put his hands on him and actually say, Brother Paul, receive your sight and then baptize him and then tell him he's going to suffer for Jesus? How did, how did Ananias know to do that? Because if you read the scriptures, Acts chapter 9, the Lord came to Ananias first and said, you will do this. And he said, but Lord, he's a murderer of the church. You will do this. And what did he do? The very thing that the Lord told him to do. That's why we should be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ today. If God puts somebody on your heart or a situation on your heart today, know that he's already working in that person's life before you even get there. He's bringing trouble. He's bringing hardships. He's bringing something to break them down, to bring them to the point that they would actually say, Lord, if you would just speak to me, I will answer. And along comes Monday. And if the devil knows that you're the messenger, he's going to try to mess your car up. He's going to try to mess your family up. He's going to try to mess something up before you get there so that you won't have a word for the Lord. You'll just be grumbling and complaining that life's not fair. Always be on guard, take every thought captive, and be prepared to say a good word for the Lord Jesus Christ. Be prepared, Paul told Timothy, in season, out of season. When is it time to actually share the gospel? In season, out of seasons, at all times. You say, Pastor, that's impossible. Jesus said with Christ, what's apostle with Christ? All things are what? Possible. I can do all things through Christ, which gives me strength, he says. Philippians 4, 13. Verse, verse 32. So those who weren't, uh, went were sent their way and found it just as he had said. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosening the colt? And they responded the same way Jesus told them, the Lord has need of it. Derek brought up a good point this morning that this is the time when the Lord says, I need that colt. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, he's coming down the Mount of Olives through the Kidron Valley. The focus is, Mary Beth told me as they visited Israel, she said the beautiful picture of seeing Jerusalem on the hill, the Dome of the Rock, if you will. He's coming down to the center of the Mount of Olives. The whole multitude of his disciples began to, there was two things they began to do. What did they do? Rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. Here's what they said. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And they were shouting from Psalm 118, 26 there. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. 
But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. That would have been a rock concert, would it not? All of creation knows who their creator is. As a matter of fact, all of creation is still obeying their creator except one part of the creation. Do you know what one part? Look around, you and me. Everyone's obeying, I mean, everything's obeying Christ. The trees, he told the trees to be fruitful and multiply. What are the trees doing today? How many of you have complained about pollen this week? Raise your hand if you have. It's yellow pollen everywhere, right? We just, everybody, I hear it. People have been putting it on social media. Listen, I'm experiencing it too, and I don't want to read it on social media. I don't care how you feel about pollen. There's nobody out there licking pollen off their car, just for the record, right? Everyone despises pollen. Would we agree? So complaining about pollen is, as they used to say in the old days, ain't worth a hill of beans. Thank God for the pollen. Try that today. God, I thank you for that yellow river that's flowing down the front yard because I know what it's doing. It's making an avenue for the trees to still obey you. Pollination, right? It's allowing the flowers still to bloom to obey you. It's allowing the bees to do their job because you gave them a job to do. It's allowing all of creation to do what it's supposed to do. And the trees, could you imagine the trees up there? There's puffing pollen on everything. And, and what do we say? I just washed my car. And the trees, are, oh, I'm sorry. I'm the one that's still being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not, right? Imagine if the trees could speak to us. I'm still doing what he told me to do back in the day when he created me. You're not. And we were the chief of his creation, y'all. Every day that he created something, every day of all six days of creation, of, of the five days, and then he gets to the sixth day, everything he created, he said, and it was good. But on day six, when he created man, he, he looked at everything and said, it is very good. Because he said in Genesis 1:26 that you and I were made in his image. He made male and female in the image of God. He created them. And out of them came us. That's why we, we laugh today, and people hear it, and they, they get offended if they don't hear the whole story. There is no such thing as different races. Everybody talks about race and race and race. It's a bunch of poppycock made up by the devil. You say, well, pastor, I've been trained, and that's what I thought. Throw it in the garbage. There's ethnicities, but everybody is a shade of brown. Some of us are very light shade of brown, right? And some of us are very dark shade of brown. There is no different race today. There is the human race. Don't entertain the stupidity that's out in public. Don't get caught up in the stupidity of mankind out there saying, well, my race is better than your race. You say, well, Pastor, how can you say that? We look around and see people of different color. Who's your oldest grandpa? His name is A-D-A-M. Is that true? And your oldest grandma is E-V-E. Is that true? Surprise, that's mine also. So why in the world, what race do we have except for the human race that grandpa and grandma Adam and Eve gave birth to children and those children gave birth to children and God was the great artist that he would actually make man and woman. Out of man, out of God comes man, out of God comes woman and he says the two shall become one, flesh. And out of that one flesh, there's a great creative God who put all these different things inside of us that we're still finding out new things about the body that he says, I'm going to let this group be a, a lighter color brown. I'm going to let this group be a darker color brown. I'm going to let this group, like Chong says, the light browns are the ones that are cooked just right, right? 
Old story is that the whites are undercooked and the darks are overcooked and the browns are just right cooked. Now that's coming from somebody from Korea, so I'm just thinking, everybody thinks their race or their color is the best color? But we said it in fun. There is but one creator. There is but one grandpa of us all. There is but one grandmother of us all. And he's so creative, look around. He made funny people like to your left and to your right. Look around. He made people with hair on their face, no hair on their head. He made us all different shapes and sizes. Here's what we should do. Instead of getting to those crazy people that are talking about race cards and race debate, just thank him. Lord, I thank you for my brother. I thank you that you made somebody look sillier than me, right? Just thank him, y'all, today. Don't get caught up in all the drama of what's the, the devil's always. The Bible says he, he's a great divider. And the Lord's a great, he's the great one who brings us together. God's always looking to restore us. And if you've got around people that don't want to divide, Walk away from those people. If it's even if it's your mother and father want to divide, I don't want to hear it. Don't talk that mess to me because I know who I serve. I know who my Lord is, and he's the God of all creation. He's not the author of confusion. Satan is. So don't bring your trash to my doorstep. I don't want it. There's a dumpster for that. Amen? I don't get into those conversations. People say, how do you speak so blatantly about race? I don't. I speak about the human race because we're one. Did the Lord say that? Paul writes it in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. We are one under one spirit, one Lord, one Savior, but we have multiple gifts and talents to give to the church and to the world. We spend time talking on social media and other places about black, white, brown, whatever color you might be. We even made songs about it when we were little. We have made songs about it because we're trying to, everybody wants to ease it down. We don't want, I don't want the black people mad at me and I don't want the white people mad at me. Now everybody wants to go get each other, right? The brown people, Asian versus Hispanic. We, we like titles. Because we, when we were kids, Jesus loves the little children, right? All the children of the world, they're trying to make it better. Red, yellow, black, and white. I'm like, I've never seen a red dude. I was always wanting to see that red guy, right? I know they were talking about the Native Americans back in the day. I know that, but no, I knew that now. I didn't know when I was a kid. I always thought there were some red people out there I'd never seen. And some yellow people. I was looking for yellow people, y'all. I never saw a yellow person in my life. I want you to know that we can mess up. If we're not careful, we try, to, we try to ease into it with our children. We'll actually tell them and perpetuate a lie if we don't speak what the Word speaks. Tell them, hey, children. When you have children and grandchildren, when you look at some of the kids in our academy, it's hilarious. They'll come up and go, Pastor, I'm darker than they are. Or... Why is she white? And, and they start, they start, and I said, look, this is white. I'm not white. No one's white. No one's necessarily white. There are people that are black. I've been to, the, to um, Kenya, and at the equator, there's a group called the Turkana tribe. Look them up today. Google, search them, Turkanas. They are the blackest people I've ever seen, the blackest skin I've ever seen. Stakewell took me there and said, you'll be surprised. He knew the difference. And, and you go to a, a, Nor, a, a Norwegian isle, a, a place, or you go to, even in Great Britain, you'll go, if you've been, you'll see people are really white. Pink. There's no white. But I want you to get this, that Jesus, when he wrote into this, he didn't have black people on his mind. He didn't have brown people on his mind, white people on his mind. He had the world on his mind because he was coming into town, and he was actually going to set up a kingdom because he was telling them, listen, I am your king. Before this, every miracle, he said, don't tell anybody I did this miracle. Go quietly away. But this one, he says, you proclaim it. And if you don't proclaim it, even the rocks are going to cry out. Let me get to your notes if you will see this before we get the other scripture. 
These portions of scriptures have affectionately been referred to as the triumphal entry. This is a great description and portrays the image of our King. Everybody say King Jesus. King, no, say it like you mean it. King Jesus coming into Jerusalem. He was and is worthy of the praise given to him. He was and is King of all creation. He is worthy. Our praise and worship, watch. We don't even like to say so loud in churches because some of you are taught the only way to be reverent in church is to be quiet in church. And some of you taught about the well only way to praise him in church is to get as loud as you possibly can. And out of those two, we've actually created some things in between. The quiet ones that want to be reverent had to be super quiet. You can't even like do anything. My mother used to pinch me every Sunday. My mother's right here. My brother, really, my sister's right here. She used to pinch me every Sunday just about on the side. One Sunday when my dad was preaching at his first calling in a small country church in Scotia, she's shaking her head, don't tell this story. <laughs> I'm, we're sitting down front. I can remember it. I don't remember a lot of things when I was a kid, but I was sitting down front. And I said, Mom always had this green gum. What's it called? You got it in right now, don't you? Double mint gum. And I'm, Mom, can I have a piece of gum? And Dad's preaching for his call to be voted on as pastor. Mom, can I have a piece of gum? Be quiet. I said, I just want a piece of gum. And I was a little bit hyperactive kid. I just want a piece of gum. I said, be quiet. And Dad's preaching away. Dad was a loud screamer preacher. He was loud, louder, much louder than me. Be quiet. I said, I just want a piece of gum. And she hauls off and pinches me on the rear end. I said, be quiet. And I yelled out, what? Ow! Why did you pinch me? And she said, you got to get it when you get home. And she went to pick me up. I'll show you since she's not here. We went this way. Mom was sitting here where she is about now. And I was sitting here. I don't know where y'all were, but I was sitting. Steve, remember this? And she picks me up and I grabbed the pew like this. And I start screaming, don't be, I didn't want her to beat me because I knew she was going to take me out. She's trying to nudge me with her rear end in front of the whole church. She's trying to nudge me out of the pew. <laughs> she takes me down by the baptism pool, which the baptism pool was down by the creek in this church. It was an old country church called Skull Shoals. We should have known something about that back in the day when there was a dead body found in the creek. <laughs> she nudges me out, takes me down. She does her best to whip me as best she can and says, you wait till you get home. Your dad's going to beat you. Well, we got in the car, she talked about it, and Dad didn't even realize it. He's preaching, didn't even see it happen. I still got a spanking when I got home. It wasn't fair. It was like the referee didn't see the foul, so it wasn't a foul, right? <laughs> what I'm saying is, listen, when you, when you actually come to the house of God, you can be so, the rules have to apply, right? Have y'all been to other churches? We don't have many rules here. We just want to have fellowship and fun. If you want to shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah. It'll scare me, but uh, Marvin scared me to death last Sunday or whenever it was. I almost had a heart attack. You shout hallelujah, praise the Lord, whatever you want to do when you come. Now, if you start flipping on the floor like fish, we're going to call it, okay? We're not going to have that limit because what happens is the quiet people extreme the quiet, and the ones who said lead by the Spirit take it to another level and try to get jazzercise or something going on during church. There's a happy medium where we can praise the Lord, we can sing praises to him, we can thank him, because listen, these people are praising the Lord. Now, I'm going to give you a chance to live it out both out, or you can be quiet as you want to be, but I want you to stand up. I want you to try this. Get your Bible. Now, uh, can you go back to the scripture? We're going to say it as loud as we can, or quiet as you want to be. Back it up to blessed, uh, sorry, verse 37, I should get 38, I'm sorry, 38. I want to show you how this actually works. If you're a quiet person, we're never trying to make you a loud person. If you're a loud person, we're not trying to make you a quiet person. We're trying to say, listen, the Lord has a big variety of people in his kingdom. Different colors, different shades, 
uh, different languages, different backgrounds, and different levels of excitement. But I want you to read off the screen. Can you not see it on the screen? As loud as we can say it, or as quiet as you want to say it, I want you to say it like you're on the side of the road. Here comes King Jesus down. You can see him coming, right? Well, imagine him coming from the cross. He's coming down the Mount of Olives. So the disciples got the firsthand news. They got to put their, their clothing on him, and they got the first dibs of praising him. They, these people, if we'll keep reading, they had saw that he raised Lazarus from the dead after he'd been graved for four days. So the people were cranked up that they have a Messiah. Now, they think they're getting something else besides what they're getting. Some understand that he's the king. Some want the temporary king to kick Rome out, right? So they're excited. Their team's winning now. So we're going to say it from a team that's winning plus the one that saved us, right? So when he comes down the mountain, here he comes. He's coming up through the Kidron Valley, and he's going to come up to Jerusalem. As loud as you can or as quiet as you want to be, let's read it together. Don't outrun each other. Let's just say it together because it's just one big happy cheer. Ready? Let's do it together. I'll do it with you. Ready? Blessed is the... Oh, come on. Did I tell you this is King Jesus? Come on, y'all. I know y'all got crazy. This is from your football team. And Good night. Let's try it again. Here we go together. Ready? Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. There was a praise to King Jesus. You may be seated. Listen, they got excited. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Because he's worthy of the praise and honor due him. He is King Jesus. Amen. Let's read your notes quickly. Jesus is in his perfect plan. This is not coincidence, by the way. Some people like to play it that way. In his perfect plan, orchestrated the entire story for his glory, his glory, and for our understanding. God puts his plan under public display or scrutiny. You can look at that and see. He said, I'll put it out there for you. You say, well, this is just a coincidence. No, it's not. Zechariah 9, 9, what does the Bible say? Why don't you go there and mark it in your Bible if someone asks you. So on page 1,220 in my Bible. Go ahead and turn there real quick. Mark and see. Zechariah 9 9. I know it's up on the screen. We've made you very lazy as people because putting, I, I, I don't like technology for this reason. You need to use your word for yourself. You need to bring your word to the Lord's house and actually learn from him. It says this Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah was telegraphing this for us because the Holy Spirit inspired him to write those words. And he said, I'm telling you, he's coming. He's coming on a certain day, and you should praise him. He's coming on a certain day, you should praise him, and you're going to find him that he's riding on a donkey. He's going to be on a colt, which summarizes exactly what happened. Because who inspired Zechariah to write Zechariah? The Holy Spirit of God. Who inspired, when we come to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, who inspired them to write the word? The Holy Spirit. Can you see the sovereignty of God every time that we read the story in the Bible? God's hand, it happens exactly as he said it was going to happen, and the results are exactly what he said would happen. Now, the people, did God know that people were actually praising him in vain? They wanted the king who would feed them. They'd heard about his feeding of the four and 5,000, potentially 15 and 20,000, if you read the numbers, plus women and children. They, they knew of a king who would actually could do miracles. He could raise the dead. And if he had the power over death, that meant he had the power over life. And since the Romans are messing with them, and they want Rome out of town, Rome's messing up everything in their town 
They're thinking, hey, we got a king, and I'll show you in your notes. They thought they had a supernatural king that was going to win all the battles for them. People talk like this today. God's plan combined average men who are obedient to him. Donkeys and the heart of celebration found within the human heart. Three things there. Average people, average men, men led out in this society who were obedient to him. And that's what he's looking for today for me and you, obedience. If he says it, you do it God's way, you get God's results. A donkey. And we know that how God used a donkey in the Old Testament. One of my favorite stories when I was in Sunday school. Balaam's donkey, how he spoke back to him. God used a donkey to speak to a man because a man couldn't hear from God. God forbid that he uses a donkey today. But I'm telling you, he's got his donkeys on standby, and he's got his rocks on standby. But he don't want either one of them to speak today. He wants you and me to speak. Are you better than a donkey? Are you better than a rock? Unless you're from Graniteville. I mean, y'all are the rocks in Graniteville. Anybody go to Graniteville Elementary or High School? Anybody from Graniteville? Were you the rocks back in the day? <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Melody was a rock back in the day. The Graniteville rocks. You were to, who has that mascot? Anyway, the rocks cry out, right? So he used the donkey back in the day. He used the donkey here and he used the rooster we know coming up next week. And he said, I got the rocks on standby. Disciples and the owners of the donkeys, they were obedient men. And we see these were average people. Look at the notes. The disciples knew Jesus, really knew him, and praised him. The people who came out to join the celebration knew about his good works, his miracles, and they praised him. There was hope that day. We sang of hope earlier. This is with hope this day. The enemy of Jesus wanted the celebration and praised the stop of him to stop. Jesus explained that the celebration could not be stopped because why? He was there. He was present. You can't help but celebrate the king when you're in the presence of the king. You say, well, I'm having a bad day. Get a little closer to the king. He never moves. It's you and me who move away. You, some people say to me, Pastor, I just don't feel close to God. He's still on his throne. His word is still in our language. All you have to do is move one step closer to him. You said, the devil's on my back, Pastor. The Bible says, draw near to God. Resist the devil and he has to, he has to, he has to flee. But then he tells you to wash, you, to wash your hands, you sinners. Because to be close to God, he won't have unrighteousness in his presence. He wants you to confess his sins like he says in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have to come to that very place that I said, Lord, before you, I want to be made right. I want to stand in your presence. And as soon as you come and confess your sins, he says, welcome in what you need because I already know what you need but what do you need why do we have to tell God because he said so he wants to hear your voice imagine being married never talking to your spouse I hear men say she knows I love her <laughs> it's the dumbest thing you could ever say to another pastor right or to another man tell your matter of fact do it this morning if you were with your spouse you look to her and go ahead and do it if, if you're not married or you're single widow divorce whatever I'm sorry but this is for married men in the room today turn to your wife and say this, just like this. Go ahead, Gary, you got to stand up. She's better looking. Look, Melissa. Just say this. Try it out. Baby. Now, come on. Say it like you mean it. Come on. Say it like this. Baby. I love you. I want the whole world to know. All right, wives, look to your husband and say, honey, I love you too. Oh, that was terrible. 
We need marriage therapy, Lord. All right, let's try it again. Husband, start it out. The Bible says the husband's the leader of the household. Turn to her. Honey, I love you. I want the whole world to know. All right, now wives, respond back. Sweetie, I love you too. I want the whole world to know. All right, y'all need to work on that. Good night. We need Derek, that's our next ser- sermon series, The Christian Home. All right. Woo! I always say, Wendy's my honey pie, sugar bun, right? Sweet potato pie, apple of my eye. Yeah, thank God for her. Let's finish it out. It took until after the resurrection for the disciples of Jesus to fully realize what had happened on that extraordinary day. If you look at what the word says, they had a type of dullness. Even then, they were like, okay, praise him. And we praised him for he was because he was with them. But remember, he tells them he's going to leave them. And they're like, whoa, we gave up our careers. We gave up everything to follow you. We even left dad's fishing business to follow you. And now you're going to disappear. You're going to die. It was confusing, but when the resurrection happened, guess what happened? These men knew for certain, those women knew for certain that he is King Jesus. He's not just little king, K-I-N-G, little, going to take over the Rome, city of Rome, or kick Roman uh, soldiers out of their city. He was K-I-N-G, capital K, King Jesus, who was that's going to rule forevermore and evermore and evermore. Amen? That's who we know him as today. We don't have to wait for little King Jesus, K, little small K. We have capital King Jesus who rules our life. And he says, I will walk with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the King that we serve. Amen? That's King Jesus of the Bible. Let's finish out. Jesus was popular among the crowd because they were there when he raised Lazarus from the dead. People told people, right? That's what happens today. People tell people this day was the same. These people spread the word that what he had done. They looked to him as a supernatural king to lead them and feed them instead of the king of kings who would offer them eternal life. And then finally, here comes these old boys, the Pharisees. These men believed in eternal life. They believed in angels. We read last week, remember, Paul got into a fight between the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees believed nothing. They believed you live and turn to dirt. That's the end. That's why we said they were sad, you see right? The Pharisees believed in angels. Uh, They believed in the supernatural, and they believed in the resurrection. The problem is they believed it in their form, their way. They said they believed the scriptures. They got the scribes with them and the Pharisees. You see those two together in scripture, New Testament. They said they believed, but we find the heart of the religious here unbelieving. You might find yourself in a church every Sunday, and you come just to critique the musician. Are you come to critique the pastor? Are you come to critique the Sunday school teacher? Are you come to critique what everybody else is wearing? Whatever it is, listen, when you come, don't be a Pharisee. Don't come here and like they did to Jesus. They came to the King of kings and Lord of lords. They came to Almighty God and said, tell your people, tell these people to stop praising you. Because the inference was, you're no better than we are. You're just a man like we are. As a matter of fact, We even know who our daddy is because they implied later right earlier that he actually didn't know who his father was that mary was pregnant out of wedlock and they even insinuate to him to insult him saying we know who our daddy is implying you don't know who your daddy is because your mama got pregnant before your daddy and mama got married and that is a true statement isn't it but she was overshadowed by the holy one he uh, jesus was virgin born 
We believe what the scripture says, but mankind will always take what the word says and try to twist it so you'll follow them instead of following him. Be careful when you've got a preacher, pastor, teacher, or any loved one who tries to get you to follow their way. There is but one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let me challenge you today in John 14, 6, follow him. The Pharisees opposed Jesus and then, then, and the enemy opposes Jesus today. Does he not? Has he not come so many different ways and try to offer you different? How many religions are there today? How many denominations are there today? You ask somebody, listen, tell me your faith testimony. And I told you how sad it was, even for us. We're going to be writing our testimony on Sunday mornings. We're going to bring paper and pen into this room and write out your spiritual testimony so you can tell it to the world. I think it was last Sunday or Sunday before. We said, how many of you know your grandfather's, on your mother or father's side's testimony story? I think the majority we had was three. Three people who knew their grandmother's story, how she got saved. Grandfather's story, how he got saved. Most people don't know. We're worried about leaving a dollar in the kid's inheritance instead of leaving eternal life as their inheritance. Stop focusing on the here and now and start focusing on the hereafter. You say, was there room to do both? And the answer is yes. The Bible says a man should leave an inheritance to his, even to his grandchildren. But what about that spiritual inheritance? What's more important, a dollar or eternal life? There's no value to put on eternal life. It's a gift from God. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How will they call unless there's a preacher who's sent? How beautiful, how precious are the feet of those who carry the message. Brothers and sisters, this Easter season, this, this Palm Sunday, as we call it, this triumphal entry, it's all good to know it. But until you engage and tell it, you know better than that donkey. You're just a carrier. You might have a message, but you, you just carry your Bible around and say, yeah, I'm a Christian too. But you never tell people how to become a Christian. Here's how you become a Christian. Listen carefully. If you don't know, people are watching by social media. Here's how you become a Christian. The Bible says we're born sinners. From Adam and Eve, when they sinned against God, our grandpa and grandma, when, they gave, when grandma gave birth to whoever tribe you're from, right? Because you are from one of them. The river flows forever, sinful people. The only thing human is sinful. Everything human is sinful. And I told you, it's like a river that flows from Adam and Eve. You can't get away from, you can't outrun it. You can't outgive it. You can't outpace it. Sin is in your nature. Sin is who you are. And you're forever a sinner until you come into the fork in the road. And just like that cross sends they're empty today. Uh, there's an empty cross there when the once held our Savior that says, listen, today, if you would believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be saved from your sins forevermore. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, gift of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus stands at the fork, if you will, of the river of sin and says, everyone who wants to enter in. I have died for everybody, every color of my people, every person on the planet. I have died for them, everyone that will receive this message, because I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life, the eternal life. You can have it, but only through me. And so how do we get it? We know the truth, right? We're all sinners. Raise your hand if you're a sinner. Look around, bunch of sinners, right? Sorry, good for nothing, bunch, right? We are. But until we meet that Savior, then guess what we're called? The blood-bought saints of the living God. You come to them and say, I am a sinner, and I am sorry for my sins, I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead 
Today, I confess him. I ask him to come into my heart, to my life, to be my Lord and Savior. I want to go the way of the truth. I want to go the way of righteousness. I want to spend the rest of my life following Jesus. Jesus, today, would you come into my life, forgive me of my sins, and be my Lord and Savior? Something along those lines. When you confess him and tell him, he says what, church? A screaming yes, not only a yes, he throws a party in your name in heaven. If you look at what the word says, your name's over the banner in front of the presence of God. How do you rank that? You're a sinner. You're a liar, a thief, cheat. And yet when you give your life to Christ, you simply trust what he says. The Bible says in the very presence of God is a celebration. Your name's on his mind. Praise his holy name. Today, you've got to make a decision. This Easter season, I said this morning during prayer time, if you can't share Jesus during this season, something's wrong with you. You're broke. You're broken. If you can't speak for Jesus on the day that he died on the cross, rose again, and lives forevermore, if you can't speak for his behalf today, I mean this week, especially this week at work, most of us is working to get the good Friday to get the day off. Spend every day this way. Make it good Monday and good Tuesday and good Wednesday and good Thursday, right? Speak a word for the Lord Jesus Christ because he died for your soul and for mine. That those friends of yours, those coworkers of yours, your boss, that supervisor, your family members, your friends, your enemies can come to know him in a very personal way. Instead of being your enemy, they'll be your brother. They'll be your sister. And then you can walk hand in hand. You'll spend your lunch hours taking the word of God and saying, did you know the word says this? Even if it's five minutes, you'll have time to speak about this wonderful Savior that we're talking about today. Yes, he had triumphal entry. Yes, he came in as king of kings because he was. Some people misread him. Some people knew him. But isn't that the way it is today? There's people say, I'm a Christian too. And they live just like the devil. Somebody put on Facebook this week said, um, there was a popular, I'll just go ahead and call him out because he did it. I didn't tell him to do it. I like some of his music because it bumps a little bit, but when he did this, he disgraced the kingdom of God. Kurt Franklin called out, and I, I like his music. I used to listen to it. He curses his oldest son out, and they put it, his son recorded, I guess he's far from God. He recorded it, and it's on YouTube. Then he posts apology. You can say words you shouldn't say, but if you can call down and take God's name, and you can put it with a curse word, and you can call down the name of God, listen, there's something wrong with you, my brother, my sister. If you still have that in your vocabulary that you actually speak to somebody that you claim to love, that you can take God's name and mix it with curse words, God forbid. Don't come to the place and say, don't stand beside me today on Sunday and say, I praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And then go cuss him Monday, cuss him, not just cuss, curse the name of Christ Monday through Friday, God forbid. The Bible says blessing and cursing should not come out of the same mouth. You say, well, Pastor, have you not sinned? The answer is yes, I have. And those things we get away with sometimes, listen, it's embarrassing for us because there's always a recording going on on Sunday mornings. Pastor, did you say this, Clint? Did you say that? I played golf yesterday. Didn't throw a club. I didn't play golf in five years. My back's killing me. I play with my kids, just, and I play because it was a, a for the church. But when I shanked a pot of most of the uh, holes that I played, there was no curse word. There was no, it wasn't in me to curse God because I was angry, and I was angry a lot. 18 times at least. <laughs> Just so you know, the redeeming factor, I was with my kids, but it didn't matter who I was with, and, and Lindsay was with us, right? There was, no, there was no desire to curse God because I'm angry. Smashing fingers, there's no reason to curse the name of God. 
put a psalm in your heart. Put something in your heart. Try to come to a place of replacing that. But y'all, listen, when you come to the place and blatantly curse the name of God over and over because you think you sound braggadocious, God forbid. You know what you're doing. It's a willful sin against God. It's not, it's not even the place of I accidentally said those words. It's over and over again. And then come back and say, well, everybody makes mistakes. Because I was watching some of the threads of people saying, oh, we all do that to our kids. I do not curse my kids using the name of God. Neither should you. If you have that in your language, take it out of your language today. If you can put God's name in front of a curse word and you feel okay with it, you need to check yourself as if you belong to the King of Kings. He says, listen, in the Ten Commandments, even in the Old Testament, he said, you shall not profane or use the name of the Lord in vain. He will not hold those who do so guiltless. He speaks on that. That should put fear in your heart. Go read it for yourself in Exodus chapter 20. God is holy. He desires, no, he commands our worship because he's worthy. Let's pray. Father God, we are not perfect people. We do make mistakes. But Father, I'm so scared in our culture today, just like in this time we read the scripture, that people run, they use Jesus as a cool commodity, maybe as resources to make money, to make friends, to feel comfortable. I don't know, Lord, exactly what everybody's motive is today. But I know, Lord, we always can be guilty of the same thing, of being selfish, instead of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit put the me, myself, and I on the throne, or at least attempt to. Father, today as we, I pray for, even as I mentioned his name, Brother Kurt, or if he truly is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I know there's been an apology made, but Father, to take your holy name multiple times, Lord, in a place, if there's somebody in this room that does it, pray, Lord, you'd bring about a conviction that it would stir the, the soul so deeply. Lord, out of that would be glory. Glory for the name of Jesus Christ and repentance and not just a marketing employee to sell records or to be a better person, Lord, but to be Christ-like. As we all grow in our faith, Lord, we know even after today's sermon, we're going to be tempted to do the worst kind of worst today. Help us, Lord, to draw near to God. Help us to resist the devil. Help us to flee from him. And help him make us, make him flee from us, as your word says. And day by day, help us to think, take thoughts captive. That, Father, we might not sin against you. Today on this Palm Sunday, Lord, we don't have to shout Hosanna because we know that you are King of Kings. We know that you have saved us and that you offer salvation for everyone who call upon the name of the Lord. Help us, our Lord, we pray. Lord, if someone's not saved today, this Palm Sunday, I pray that today would be the day of salvation, that you would do a work in our lives personally. Thank you for all that you've done and all that you will do. Help those who are far from you and help those of us, Lord, as we want and desire to mature in our faith. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. Amen.